How can you personalize your messaging to physicians for greater prescription intent? What are people saying about your brand? How can you make your marketing efforts more precise and effective? These and many more questions are answered on this podcast, which is here to serve as a playbook for all your pharma marketing needs. As your host, Soumya Prakash, co-founder of Multiplier AI Solutions, sits across pharma industry's top experts. This is your place to get all the insights about Gen AI, data and beyond. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Pharma Marketing Playbook, Data, Gen AI and Beyond. I'm your host, Soumya Prakash, co-founder at Multiplier AI. And today, data and machine learning have reshaped the pharma marketing landscape. And to talk in this context, I have the right guest with us, Praveen Mathur, who has been working as vice president at MIDEA and has almost more than three decades of experience in implementation projects on data and AI in pharma verticals. He has studied at MIT Sloan School of Management and has huge realm of experience and practical insights on how the entire ML and AI framework works within the pharma vertical. So stay tuned as we delve into Praveen's insights and experiences and take this forward. So hi Praveen, how are you doing? Hi, Samia. I'm doing very well and you? Yeah, great. Great to have uh, you on our show today. Thank you. So to start with Praveen, I would like to first ask you if you could provide us an overview of your experience in the pharma industry. How have you seen it evolve from an IT, AI, and ML perspective over the years? So over the years, basically, I have done the analytics for four major things. For example, branded products. And then we have done a lot of analytics at the generics and uh, also for the orphan drugs. And then the, finally, we also did a lot of analytics in the over-the-counter drugs. So when I started, the first question when we started the work in the generics is why marketing is important in the generic market. Because physicians are not going to write drugs, they are writing the molecules. So that was one of the questions that was asked by vice president of a major generic company in the U.S. So we did a lot of analytics on the generics, and we found out that all the products where they have launched and they have like six months of exclusivity, even then, if they have not done any marketing at all, after competing brands are introduced in the market, their market share collapses to almost like one or 2%. And if they do the marketing, for example, and the marketing is not done for the physicians. So the marketing for the generic drug is done at the pharmacy level. And when they started doing the marketing like telesales or email campaigns or any other special marketing events, we have found out that uh, they are able to maintain the market share. I mean, if they started with 100%, they will go down to 60% or 40% once the competing brands are introduced, but uh, they don't go to 0%. So that was good enough for the generic company that 
it is good enough to continue the, with their marketing program because they don't want to have a 0% or 2% market share after two years. So that was one of the questions we looked at long time ago. Yeah, great. Great to know that. So and any practical experiences or any case studies that come to your mind, how this was actually implemented many of your, in any of your projects? So basically, we looked at the 10 molecules that they have launched in the market. And out of those 10, we looked at some of the molecules, there was no marketing at all. And we looked at how the market share is going down versus a lot of other molecules where they were not even the first one in the market, but they did a lot of marketing for those molecules with the pharmacy. So then they were able to maintain like 20% or 30% market share among six or seven uh, manufacturers. And then the second one basically is the branded ones. So in the branded uh, is pretty common. You start with the segmentation, you do the response curves, and then you come up with the targets. So for branded marketing, Basically, we looked at the targets, look at, and in the targets also, you have to be very careful about the specialty. Sometimes many companies don't care about the specialties, and that can be a problem if uh, they started, for example, marketing their drug to, for example, dentist when it is an oncology drug. So that doesn't make sense. So we have to be very careful about that. And then we also look at the ad hoc analysis, for example, answering some of the business questions and also performance on a monthly or weekly basis, how the performance is going on for those drugs among different regions, different territories, different accounts, and uh, different uh, physicians. And uh, what is the reason for sudden increase or sudden decrease in the market shares or the volume. So that's the second type of analysis that we do for pharmaceutical industry. And then the third one is basically looking into the orphan drugs. So the orphan drug, the one I was looking at, that was like six patients or 6.25 patients for the population among 1 billion. So that that was very, very <laughs> like a rare disease. So to do that, we look at their KOL. So we do the KOL mapping. We def- identify different KOLs. And then based on the KOLs, we do arrange the lunch and learn programs just to make sure that uh, related physicians know about the disease and how to treat them. And also KOL also tell us who are the potential, for example, Treaters. So in this case, we were looking into the HOFH, which is a very rare disease for hypercholesterolemia. So homozygous hypercholesterolemia is that that's the term. So when we figured it out that for high cholesterol, we need to talk to the cardiologist, for example. So then we defined the business rules. In addition to KOLs, to find out more targets, we look into the business rules. And the business rule was that if there was a statin usage among patient and they started with five milligram and then they keep moving up and up and they go to the highest 
dosages and nothing was happening. So those are the physicians we consider that they may have a potential patients. Very interesting. So in this context, I mean, I just want, want to understand that, you know, you've, you've focused and you've explained how important it is uh, for pharma companies, specifically for the generic molecules, even branded drugs and often drugs with the rare disease patients, and how much important it is to now connect the marketing and the research development. It goes kind of hand in hand. So in that context, does any kind of guidelines or do's and don'ts from a data marketing perspective come to your mind, the common mistakes that marketing uh, managers tend to make while doing such analysis? So I think one of the mistakes that is made, and it's not made by marketing managers, it's made by the analytics folks, is to come up with the wrong targets. If the business rules are not understood properly, or if the business rules were not Correct. For example, if we assume that the business rule for in this case is that if statin usage is high, therefore they may have HOFS patients, but it, this may or may not be true, right? So if that's the case, then marketing effectiveness will be going down. So we have to be very careful about the business rules and marketing should approve that. And then based on that, and then we can still talk to the KOLs and make sure that everybody is on board with the business rules before we create the targets. So once the targets are correct, then there is no problem. The major problem is that the targets are wrong. And the other thing in terms of rep effectiveness is that uh, one thing is targeting, then other thing is uh, rep messaging. If the messaging is not right, for example, then it will not be very effective on the reps to sell the drugs for, with the doctors. Very true. And I think with the advent of COVID, uh, the span of attention, I think, of all the physicians has really gone down. Now. Yes. So yes, yes. Uh, the kind of attention they give to MRs is also a challenge. So you're absolutely right. The right messaging, the right context has to be set. So from your perspective, uh, how should... Uh, marketing or a data analytics team start and what are the uh, common tools that they can use for improving their content creation and content effectiveness? So I think uh, for the targeting perspective, we look at the data from standard vendors like Symphony or IQVIA or Komodo, right? So, I mean, if you look at the IQVIA or Symphony, they have a physician level data they have a patient level data. Now in the patient level data, they have uh, diagnosed patients as well. So we create the targets based on the diagnosis. And once we know who are the patients with the physicians, then they can basically show that what are the treatments that patients are getting from those physicians. And uh, it is quite possible that uh, they have multiple indications and they may be getting a drug for some other indications while we are talking about something else. So all the treatments that those patients are getting, we have to first make sure by talking to the marketing and talking to the medical affairs that out of all the procedures, for example, procedure codes or drugs, which are the relevant drugs and procedures for your disease indications. So for example, in one of the companies that I was working on, we 
created a list of almost like 150 procedure codes. And out of that, marketing and uh, also the medical affairs looked at it and they gave us the list of like 50 which are relevant to the treatment of this disease. So then we focus creation of the targets based on those procedure codes, not necessarily all the other treatments. Because sometimes you look at the oncology patients and they are getting Tylenol. So that doesn't make any sense to put it as one of the treatment options. So you have to have a subset of that. And based on the subset, all those physicians who are treating those patients, those patients will be, I think that then you will know that who are the physicians treating this disease properly based on the procedure codes. Very true. I think an integrated approach of marketing working in tandem with the medical affairs committee and the physician community has to come together to make this more sensible and practical, as you rightly said. So just to put in context, from a patient's perspective, how what should he look forward to from this entire world of data and insights? What's in it for the patient community as you see it? So I think the patient basically are not involved in their treatment. It is a physician, right? I mean, if you think about oncology, patients don't have any idea what drugs, whether they should be getting a chemo or whether they should be getting uh, other drugs that some companies are selling. So basically it is up to the physicians who basically decides what treatment should be given. The patients basically look at the out-of-pocket expense how much money can we afford? And to do that, many companies basically give them a lot of incentives. So for example, one of the companies that I was working with, they have basically said, okay, you don't pay anything. Whatever money we are getting from the insurance company is fine and your out-of-pocket is zero, for example. Then the patient has no say by saying that, okay, I can't afford this drug. So if, if you are thinking about the patient, then you think about out-of-pocket expense, not necessarily about drugs. Unless the drug is not working and the patient knows it properly, that it's not working, then that's another discussion with the doctor. I, I understand. But maybe going forward, as you know, I see it, there's so many conversation channels today where patient communities and forums are discussing various treatment options and the side effects and what works for them post-COVID. So uh, do you think somewhere uh, that information going forward will also become kind of an input to understand the patient sentiment from a physician perspective since the physician needs to understand how the patient is taking it forward? Do you see that going forward becoming an important element? Right. No, I think that's a good point because if there is a adverse event by taking a drug, then company needs to know that. And it is right now, it's a policy of every company that I work, that if there is any adverse event, it has to be reported within 24 to 48 hours. So it is very important to understand what adverse events are happening with the patient when they take the drug. And if there is an adverse event, then obviously patient will not take the drug. That is pretty obvious. So we, we can look at all the other options why the drug should be taken. One thing is if there is a reaction to a drug, then obviously doctor have to find something else. So I, I don't know whether we can include that as part of our analytics, but a certain percentage of patients will not be 
suitable for our drug. That's that's obvious to every company. Understandable. So from a marketing perspective, going forward, you know, with the advent of Gen AI and the uh, kind of, I think, the motivation for all organizations to reduce the dependence on people and have more automation in place, how do you see are the challenges going forward for the marketing and the analytics teams? What are the new challenges they will have to now face? So I think the new challenges are different data sources. So when I started like 20 years ago, we had not too many channels, right? We have a reps, we have a sampling, but now they have a social media, so they have to react to that. If there is a sentiment which is negative for your brand or for your drug, you have to understand that. And then you have to not only understand, but you have to react right away rather than making it go forward. And the other thing is that based on different data sources. So for example, when you do the marketing mix model, so you don't not only look into the calls and also the samples and other like a direct mail, but also you have to include the email campaigns. You have to include the social media like Facebook and Instagram, and you have to collect all the data and then try to figure it out. What is the impact for each and every campaign? based on different data sources. So so the data sources are there and then the complexity also grows because of that. And then it's not easy to figure it out why, for example, reps are contributing only 30%, not 100% or 60% that uh, salespeople think that they are doing versus, for example, email or, for example, social media. Social media may be like 5 or 6% or 10% based on the drug. So we, we have to convince not only that the results are correct, but also that the results are convincing enough for the stakeholders. Correct. Yeah, I think omni-channel has always been a kind of big consideration for marketing and analytics. And it's become even more so today with so many channels, as you rightly said, the sources are just exploding with you know, more and more data coming from Twitter feeds and from Facebook, social, LinkedIn. There are multiple patient forums today. People are on multiple channels simultaneously. And I think as I see is there's another challenge which is there today, which is the time to react because something can become viral so quickly that the time for response and reaction from a marketing team is much shorter as compared to what we had in the past. Again, that poses a big challenge to the marketing teams and how do they actually take it in real time? Absolutely. I think especially if there is a negative sentiments, you have to really understand what's going on and you have to find a response on the same platform. For example, if there is a negative sentiments going on in Twitter, then you have to react to that right away rather than let it linger for a couple of days by that time most of the people will be convinced of that so this is not an easy thing to fix because you can't just answer negative sentiments without understanding what it is and then provide a correct and proper answer to that rather than just answer something so it's not an easy challenge going forward do you think that a chat bot or, you know, some of these, you know, new chat and automation elements can actually handle this kind of a problem for the industry? No, I think the problem with the chatbot is this. If you use chatbot and if the answer is not right and if it is medically challenged, then you lose more reputation than anything else. So, yes, chatbot is good 
for you to get the correct answer. But then somebody like marketing team should review the answer before they put it into the internet. You, you can't just allow chatbot to answer the questions. It, it's a good technology and it should be used, but it should not be allowed the free hand to answer your questions. Yeah, <laughs> correct. That's true. So, uh, you know, there's so much of gung-ho about you know, reducing the costs, you know, deploying lesser number of people. So do you think that going forward, this is actually practically possible for pharma and healthcare organizations to significantly reduce their cost investments? Or do you think that more than the cost invest, uh, reduction of the cost, it's actually the value additions that JNAI will provide? What's your perspective on that? So my, my thinking is it's the value addition that they are providing. You are not going to save cost because, so for example, you have 90 reps, right? So you are not going to reduce it to 60 or 30 because then you will definitely lose a lot of sales because reps are like 30, 40. Sometimes rep effectiveness brings like 60% of the revenue. So you should not even think about doing that. You are looking into like, uh, for example, Facebook. So that's the additional. And does it provide a positive ROI or negative ROI? If it is a positive, then you should continue with that. If it is negative, then you should think about either making changes into that or completely removing certain marketing activities. So this will be basically additional cost for additional revenue. So uh, going forward, how do you see the future of uh, generative AI and particularly data applications in the pharma healthcare uh, vertical? So I think the future for the generative AI and also data analysis is automation. So you just give, so you integrate, for example, IT with the analytics and then analytics to reporting. So basically, you get the new data and you get the reports right away. So that, that is the future, I'm thinking. And making sure that analytics person is able to agree with the results rather than just looking into the results from the machine and then send it out. So that's why I think the work of the AI will be different. They, they have to really make sure that the results are convincing and stakeholders are happy with the results. But to do all the work, all the data analytics work, that can be automated. And I have done that like 10, 15 years ago for another company in Chicago. That project was, you just give me the raw data and then in 10 seconds, I was able to create like 500 slides. Out of those slides, you can pick and choose which one you want for your presentation. And all the results were correct, always, based on the, you know, the business rules that you are using. So if the results are wrong, you can figure it out and fix the rules. But once the rules are correct, then I don't see any reason why we should be worried about the accuracy of the results. Then we should be worried about more in terms of business rather than doing the nuts and bolts of analytics. Sounds great. And thank you so much for your wonderful insights that you've shared with us today. I'm sure our listeners and our viewers have learned tremendously from your experience. So thanks once again uh, for being us, with us on the show. And um, we request all our audience to register for the podcast and receive your free playbook on data insights and its applicability for pharma. So stay tuned 
for more such informative sessions and conversations and look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you, Praveen, once again. Thank you, Samya. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us in this episode. We hope that the deep insights and knowledge shared today will help your business and brand grow by leaps and bounds. Remember to follow the podcast. And if you wish to know more about Multiplier AI Solutions, please visit the links given in show notes.